Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. It's been a while. For us, it's been a For while. For me, I haven't done an episode in a while. Missed it. It's good. Glad to have you. I'm here with Glenn Salzman. Hello. Is that a new shirt? It is. Uh, no. I haven't seen it. I feel like I. You wearing? Know. he's wearing like a black and red plaid. It's good. It's like a Redeemer <laughs> brand shirt. It's the blood of Christ. Yeah. In plaid. Yeah, yeah. Looks good, man. Thanks. You look sharp. Thanks. So, uh, how's your life been? Good, busy. Good and busy. Yeah? So, yeah. I don't know the last time I've even been on a podcast. Lots happened since then. But What's yeah. happened since then? Uh, well, the thing that we're going to talk about today is prevalent in my mind. Um, we've been doing a, a focus group on sexual brokenness. And uh, it's been really helpful. Yeah, but you're trying to get to the topic, and I'm trying to chit chat. <laughs> That's so. What is, else? What else besides sexual brokenness has been occurring? Uh, <laughs> Anything else? It's uh, life. It? Life as usual. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm a pretty um, well. Probably since you've been on the podcast, we've had a pandemic, uh, an election, uh, some riots. Yeah, maybe it's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah. Has it been that long since I've been so. on a podca- podcast? Huh. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, there's been a lot that's happened since <laughs> since last time. So You've been doing some traveling? Yeah, we were down in Austin for a little bit. How was that? Was it all liberal? <laughs> it was. <laughs> like, as soon as you walk in, it's just like... It's amazing to me how other states view masks so differently. Like, they, they literally... We, we walked into an eyeglass store uh, looking for some specs for... Lori and um, like they literally had to train us at the door like how to wear the mask like they it wasn't just have a mask on it was have it over your nose pulled down so it wasn't you weren't breathing out past it made sure that we put on the um, what is it hand lotion what is that stuff the sanitizer sanitizer yeah I mean it interesting was, yeah it was actually Eleanor was still talking about it. She's six, and I think it was. Was she traumatized? Yeah, it was horrifying for her. Yeah, <laughs> like Gestapo. But it was really interesting just to have it's just such a different view. Like Iowa is just on one end of the spectrum. Well, I hear that, but I don't. I don't get it. Like everywhere I go, everyone's wearing masks. Yeah, but I think uh, Governor Reynolds was the first to drop the the mask mandate from her standpoint. Yeah. And one of the first governors to do that. So I think that was, yeah, I think that was kind of groundbreaking as far as states are concerned. I did have lunch at a restaurant today, which I won't name because I don't want, um, well, there's no need for it, but their employees weren't masking. Yeah. It's the first one I've seen. So private message you if, if people want to go. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing is, you know, most restaurants, they... You have to wear it while you're walking around, and then you can take it off. They were the opposite. <laughs> you didn't have to wear a mask when you came in, but you had to wear it while eating. Just it's quite the lift and stuff. No, you have to like shove it through. Like <laughs> your food comes particleized. It's like a coffee filter, food filter. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And they just you lay down on your back, and they just put food on your mask, and they pour hot water through it, <laughs> and you just get like this broth. <laughs> French fry broth. 
That sounds rich. Uh, speaking of broth, you know, when Garrett first moved in with us in Iowa, um, you know, he wasn't raised, he was raised very <laughs> differently, I would say. Not very, uh, I don't know, as, as opposed to Aubrey, like she's very domestic and mom, home cooking and all that kind of stuff. He just wasn't, like, I think he grew up eating canned food and stuff like that. And uh, one time Aubrey was making soup and, and Garrett goes, you can make soup? <laughs> <laughs> and um he's like that's currency on the street <laughs> yeah just add water it was funny when i told zissa how um how people were made speaking of today's topic she goes you can make children just <laughs> <laughs> so you, you don't have to be quiet she's sitting right there soup listening. and children those are the two things you can make she's pondering yeah do you have something to say <laughs> How did I lie to you your whole life? Clouds. Come over here. Come over so people can hear you. Clouds and food. Clouds? And food? And food? Yeah. What was the food lie? The buffet. Oh, okay. So I'll tell you this. So one of my favorite things to do is lie to my children. <laughs> <laughs> about stuff that doesn't matter. So, like, we won't lie to them about Santa Claus. From beginning on, we're like, no, there's no Santa. Me, I'm Santa. <laughs> That's the Santa. <laughs> <laughs> but so I would lie to them about so like one of them we told them you know when the moon is low and big and like kind of orangey yeah um, we told them it was a different celestial object <laughs> called the mun the mun <laughs> and they would be like guys there's the mun and they would see it and of course no one ever watched it long enough to realize it slowly transformed into, into the, the moon, moon. <laughs> about an hour later it's smaller and <laughs> Um, another one was, oh, we told, I told them that factories are cloud machines. Mm. That's what they're making. Nice. And, uh, especially ADM. They're really good at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so up until recently, one of my children who shall remain unnamed still believed it and basically asked my wife, why do they make, why, why are they making so many clouds or something like that? And my wife realized, oh gosh, we've got to let her know this isn't true because, <laughs> She's too old. <laughs> She's gonna be embarrassed. Right. Another lie was um Oh, the so when you go to a Chinese buffet and they have that meat on a stick. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's been roasted. We told them it was squirrel. <laughs> so their whole lives, I mean they're just thinking they're eating squirrel. You know, as they've aged, they you know, they they're up there reading it. So we go to a Chinese buffet in Ohio and instead of uh you know, serving yourself, they had someone serving you because of COVID stuff, right? Yeah. So Zissa goes up to the buffet and she goes, can I have some squirrel? <laughs> and the lady's like, what in the world are you talking about? And then chicken, chicken's with her and she doesn't, she wants to communicate to the lady what she wants, but she doesn't want her to know, you know, so she's just like pointing. Like, <laughs> so yeah, fun, fun lies. But don't worry, Zissa, there are no more lies. Believe Everything else is true. Huh? I think that's the lie. That's the lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other the other lies that parents tell their kids is you can do whatever you want. <laughs> be whoever you be want. Whoever be whoever you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the other lie I tell her is, yeah, I enjoyed watching that dance you made up. <laughs> you know, when they say, hey, do you want to come see my, my drawing? And you say, yeah. That's a lie. <laughs> you know you don't. You're like, oh. Or they give you a drawing. Like, how long do I have to hold on to this thing? Right, right. Yeah. You just shove it in a box at the back of your closet. 
I actually did keep. You remember that little driver's license you drew last week? I kept that. It's small. It fits in my my little portfolio. I got stuff so. in my shop that the girls have made, painted, and drawn. And yeah, that's a good place for it. Yeah, yeah, it makes it on a, or the dumpster, the occasional YouTube video, or the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't think so. <laughs> so that's why they have mothers. <laughs> <laughs> to offset the let me trolling. ask you this who's more likely to trip a toddler a mother or a father oh definitely me definitely the dad because then you get a, a it's a fun dad save you like catch them right before their face oh you catch them the- <laughs> <laughs> not if you're on carpet or something they're only like two, 18 inches tall dude they, <laughs> they don't have far to go <laughs> you're like they're resilient they'll bounce off this brick <laughs> now why is that why is that a guy will trip his toddler <laughs> it's You've literally done that, right? Oh, yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> it's the most funny thing. <laughs> you just trip a harmless bean. But it's fun to be able to, like I said, do the dad save. The last second right I before their face hits. You just what? It's like a precursor to wrestling with them. You trip them, then you get them down and start tickling them. So uh, a few weeks ago, this, so it was past bedtime. They're not supposed to come up here after they're downstairs for like tech and bedtime. And of course, they always violate it. So she comes up here violating it, and I turn and I go, what are you doing here? <laughs> and she goes, then it became apparent that she was crying, and she goes to her mother, and she's talking to her mama, and mama's comforting her. And I said to her, why do you go to mama for comfort instead of me? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, because when I come up here, you look at me and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> she's looking at you, looking at Aubrey. What are these? <laughs> <laughs> one of these is open for business. The other is not. <laughs> I'm going to go for the one that's open for business. That's right. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. So we're going to talk today about, you You called it sexual brokenness. Mm-hmm. Why'd you call it brokenness instead of sin? It sounds kind of liberal. <laughs> you know, like you're a victim. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Yeah. You're buying time. I'm not really sure why. I think, well, I actually, when we talked about it as a... Is it because you've become team, part of the of the, in, of the world and not just in it? The No. That's we, why we, you said that? We didn't go that, that deep. What we were trying to do, well, maybe. What we were trying to do is call guys out of hiding. Because our assumption is that guys are not talking about, specifically with guys on our group that we meet with, um, we wanted to call them out of hiding and make it somewhat usable, like user-friendly, like, hey, this might be something that you've been hiding in for uh, a long time. We want to call you out of How it. How does that make and it so, user-friendly? Uh, it's just a little bit more of I I don't know, I think that... Softening the term? I think so. Softening it a little bit. Just And to, then when they show up, you turn on them and just <laughs> it's like, start browbeating them? This is really not about brokenness. You call this it is, sexual shame? This is <laughs> Romans 1. <laughs> Let's talk about your shame. Your enduring shame. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, actually, it's not... I, I, it is interesting. I Like, coming from you, it doesn't bother me. But, you know, I think that's an interesting term in some circles. It's that... Yeah. You know, because when we talk about the human condition, yeah. You know, are we broken? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But the but the sin thing is that well, yeah, but you broke it. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So there's that responsibility we have. Yeah. But then the reality is that now we're, well, it's, uh, um, you know, we're subject to futility is kind of the way the Bible yeah. puts it, right? The, right. The earth has been handed over and is subject to futility, and I think that right. includes the, everyone and any, everything in it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so it is, it is broken. And the other part, too, that we, <clears throat> we've talked about um, mm. as guys is that, yeah, they are victims to like there have been people that have been victimized uh oh i see so it's not just yeah okay that's good that's helpful um but they're also victimizers you know what i mean and and so like and most guys probably swing somewhere in between the two extremes of that pendulum somewhere of you know they've had stuff done to them and they've perpetuated their own sin by doing it or being the the perpetrator so again this is always an issue but part of the immediate context here is that you um are leading a group uh basically a i don't know what describe it what are you guys doing yeah so it's men only um it's small there's <clears throat> two breakout groups of maximum five guys with two leaders and in our time together it's that a, sounds delicious it's a three month five guys and two liters <laughs> delicious that's such an <laughs> interesting term but yeah we're we've got three months that we've set aside to to walk through um just a curriculum that we've basically written on the fly like each week we're adding to it there's four liters in it that give content for about a half an hour at the beginning then we give about another half hour for guys to interact with the Holy Spirit on their own. And then the last part, we break out into those smaller breakout groups. And that's when the the leaders really start to pursue them and ask questions like, how did you learn about sex? And how, what have, you know, what has been the, um, the implications of you learning about sex the way that you learned about it? And how have you perpetuated that? What are you believing at the root of the bottom of that, that about yourself and about God? And then where is Jesus in this? And so we, we just walk them through that route to fruit so that they can see most of the time when, um, amazingly enough, like when there is sexual immorality, it's based on some belief or some root of a lie that they believe either about themselves or about God that kind of um, gives them either a, a personal like uh, openness to go into sexual sin or to um that they feel that they're a victim of it or whatever so we're really trying to spend some time just breaking that down and trying to figure out what's what are they thinking what are they believing on a daily basis that that for instance porn is such a big part of their life or whatever so so what uh yeah what i mean what led you at this time to yeah do this so i actually wanted to start it before the pandemic um i just saw a group of younger guys that seemed like they were really struggling and and older guys like um, married guys so there was struggle and there was frustration and there was kind of a lack of knowledge and no one was talking about it with them um and i saw that then the pandemic hit we just closed up shop for a couple of months and then um there was one guy in particular that I was, uh, I had talked about with this, uh, possibly leading it with him in our church, Lars Rasmussen, and I talked with him way before the pandemic, and then um, he brought it up again last 
October, November and said, hey, have you thought about that? And I said, yeah, with the pandemic and the derecho and everything else, I just have put it on the back burner. So we started praying and talking, and then um, through a series of circumstances, God brought John Allen and then Andy Stern into it to lead as well, because John was like, hey, I have this vision for this group, for my group, and I've written kind of a curriculum. I mean, it was like almost verbatim what we were doing, and I was like, well, can we just join forces? And he said yes, and it doubled the size of our group, and it's... It's been amazing, I think, just um, to have guys hear each other's <laughs> stories and hear, um, yeah, just how we learned about sex is crazy. Um, so let me ask you this. <clears throat> what are the names of the guys that are coming and what have, <laughs> what have they done or had done to them? <laughs> I want details. This is... All right. Um, yeah. That's good. Well, listen, man. I, I mean, I think you've got some key things you want to touch on, right? I do. I'm out of questions. Um, so, yeah, just interact with me on some of these things. Yeah. Like, for instance, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him, flee from sexual immorality. Then there's this uh, interesting way that Paul writes this. He says, every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then he asks, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And my question is, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's probably true, but how? Like, how is it that we are sinning against ourselves and our own body when we sin sexually? And I think that, I think sexual brokenness can be summed up in one very, very simple uh, phrase that sex is either God to a person or it's gross to a person. And it's, those are kind of the two spectrums. So God would be like, I must have sex. I must have pleasure. I must, must, must. Right. And then gross is like, uh, for whatever reason, I see sex as something that I don't want to be a part of. It brings shame. It brings pain it brings um whatever so you kind of have those two uh extremes like one person can't get enough of it another person feels so shamed that they don't even want to partake and the thing mm. about it is is that sometimes those two people are married and sometimes to one those another. people are married to one another and they've got a lot to talk about and and with the shame of it and with the pain of it it's really really difficult sometimes for people to bring this up because it's something that they've learned about um, a long, long time ago. Um, But sinning against our own body, I think is, I I think it starts in the the head. And the reason I, we're using this um, resource called Surfing for God. And it's been a really helpful resource because it really talks in terms of desire, like Christian hedonism language is all over that thing, which is really helpful because most of the, the resources that I look at for sexual sin are they're just so focused on like here's your plan, here's what to do, now go out and do it. And so it's almost law based instead of like what are the desires that are going on in your heart that would cause you to act out sexually or not act out sexually and like starting to it starts there. So this book goes through the gospel and desire for eight chapters and then the ninth chapter is when you actually start to formulate a plan. 
and I think it's really helpful. But in chapter nine, it basically talks about why, um, physically, why we have such a hard time, like with pornography. So, um, first of all, the average age of of a male being exposed to pornography is ten or eleven years old now. It's really young, and for us, like I'm in my very very early fifties. I'm fifty. But I was still probably 13 or 14 when I was first exposed to pornography. So that's still pretty young. And it's just gotten younger because it's more pervasive now. Like, and it's not just younger. It's, uh, well, the, like it's pervasive, but it's accessible 24-7. Like, yeah, right. You know, back in your day, like maybe you'd stumble upon a magazine every once in a while. But right. like if you have digital access right now, it's like right. you can just, you can right, just right, go. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just like straight porn. It's soft, softer stuff that leads into porn. Like if uh, TikTok, like uh, videos of scantily clad women that are mm. dancing. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's over, over sexual. You know, uh, <clears throat> so I use Facebook. Yeah. Because uh, I'm old. You <laughs> scroll through the feed and, you know, when you shop for stuff. Yeah. Then it'll end up, you know, in your feed, yeah. like ads, right? So, yeah. um Things like, well, like one example is, well, really anything. If like literally anything. So a shop for motorcycle accessories or stuff like that. And they'll use women in these ads. Yeah. But one of the things I noticed is that like as you're scrolling through, like the first image that will pop up is like some hot girl. Right. Right. But then it suddenly just goes away. But it's right. like a clip from later in the commercial. Right. Right. You know, 30 seconds into or the commercial, whatever. It's just, yeah. It's this girl that's in the commercial yeah. but they show you that they front load that half second right it's almost like like they did in Fight Club the little, yeah, little yeah, flash yeah 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 and I'm very aware of what they're doing they're like right. hey what? there's more coming right, you know right. I mean? and anyway just I don't know it popped in my head as you were talking about oh you were talking about softer stuff like TikTok yeah. and things like that you know that yeah yeah but the amazing thing is so here's where it gets really Paul says you sin against your own body. Um, so dopamine is released in your brain when you look at pornography. And dopamine is a chemical that's inside your body, but it's more addictive than heroin, which is, from what I understand, the most addictive. You'd know more about heroin than me. <laughs> no, I've never actually done that. <laughs> but Well, it seems like it... I mean, that makes sense to me intuitively because it is is what you run on. Yeah. Right. So let's let's yeah, back yeah. up here and like. Yeah. Because I've heard this talk before. Yeah. Dopamine isn't just triggered when you watch porn. Yeah. It's a pleasure chemical. That's but correct. But it's associated with any kind of pleasure. Right. 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 So food. But the or, amounts of dopamine, I guess, <clears throat> are like crazy when you look at porn, for, apparently. Because it's sexual. Because it's sexual and it's pleasure center stuff. Now imagine a prepubescent brain, 10 or 11 years old, that's getting its first shots of massive amounts of dopamine. And it's uh, uh, attributed to, it's, it goes along with pornography. It goes along with sexual sin, basically. So now you have like, uh, in the, now you have like a 24 year old who 25 year old for 15 years, his brain has been soaked in dopamine based on pornography usage, right? And it's not just the dopamine part, it's it's what the pornography is subliminally and outright telling us that the objective 
objectification of women, that um, sex is a, a dude has an orgasm, and then he goes on with his day, that he uses the women, that he controls the women, that he, pow- he has power over them. Um, and the fact that it's so pervasive, like what you were saying, like everywhere, there's like no limits to the amount of pornography that you can. Yeah, the guys are literally being discipled. Yes, that is their first. Uh, that sex education is pornography. That's the way that they learn about sex. So now when we have conversations with guys that are 25, 30 years old and we ask them about intimacy, they can't even describe it. Like they literally, their their minds go back to their education, which is soaked in dopamine, soaked in pleasure, that this is what intimacy is. So we have to well, let me ask you this. undo this a little bit. Why don't you describe intimacy? <laughs> Well, it's vulnerability. You know, vulnerability with each other, and it's a reciprocation of love uh, from one person to the other. Um, But I think it has to do with vulnerability versus power and control. Like, that's porn is power. Like, the dude has power over the, the, the girl in the video. But this intimacy is different. It's, yeah, I think vulnerability is, is different. Um, so then, yeah, so every feeling, <laughs> thought, s- habit, skill, um, all skill. of this in your like life has been taught to you like um, from pornography when it comes to sex. And so then that's why guys will end up getting married mm-hmm. and they can't even perform sexually because uh, like John Mayer, like it came out that he was so addicted to pornography that he would be with a person live and had erectile dysfunction because of it wasn't releasing enough dopamine for him and so that dopamine like when it gets released i mean you know this it it, it, like you have a tolerance to it and then it gets released and then the next thing that you have to do has to be a little bit different or more or novel or whatever to get that to reach that same tolerance and then you're always upping that that tolerance it's just like alcohol it's like any other kind of drug that your, your body just builds up a natural tolerance to it. And uh, I mean, we can go into the, the physical reasons why, but it makes sense then why the Apostle Paul says that sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Like there's just this movement of that cycle of dopamine soaking your brain for decades. And, you know, I think we're, um, Gosh, uh, like in talking with these guys, I mean, they're they have these these feelings, they have these frustrations that this is how they learn learned about sex, and then you know they have it's tough. Like when they're uh, trying to be with their spouse or whatever, there's there's not that intimacy, there's not that that dopamine hit. Um, but the the good news is um, gospel, Jesus, right? Um, and in first in uh, Romans twelve, he talks about how our mind can be renewed. So it's not all bad news. It's not just because your brain has been soaked in dopamine for a decade. Right. That's where sometimes this stuff can be helpful, but it, yeah, it can be unhelpful if <clears throat> you start to think, oh, we're merely phys- physiological beings. Right. And then you know this is the the. You know the bed I've made, right. and now I've got to lie in it, right, so to speak. Like, right. Um, you no, know, but right. There's a God that's bigger than that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there is a spiritual aspect to it too. So pornography is introduced into your life, um, 
like I, I'll ask you, like, what, what do you think the role is of principalities, darkness, demons in a, in a male being addicted to pornography? Like just as a pastor, like what would you, how would you respond to that? What's the correlation there? Well, I'm not really sure what you're asking, but I mean, I think it's the same with all sin. I mean, in terms of the, if you're asking how does the spirit world interact with us in that moment, or are you asking me what is their motivation in leading men down this path, or? Uh, Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, just the I mean, the first one, I don't know, man. All I I know is that there is a spirit realm, and, you know, Satan does tempt, and you know how that how that works how we are communing in some sense like yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it any further than i just believe that's the case right um because we're against our wars against the the right the, the world the flesh and the devil right and the principalities and powers and yeah and things like that so it's some kind of yeah i don't know motivation well, it's the destruction of God's image, and yeah, and particularly, particularly now. Now, here's some, we zeroed in on a thing. You know, this, we're, we're talking about sexual brokenness, and there's a lot more to this than, than, than pornography. pornography and sure. You know, there's women also, and, and women. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, it's obviously majorly men, but women also. Yeah. Sin with pornography. Um, but I mean, it's the unraveling of God's design. I mean, it's you know, and especially men, if you can target them take them out then right the whole thing's vulnerable you know and now right rather than them being trained in um being in uh providing flourishing for those that are in in their care right right the weaker vessels so to speak yeah and uh and nourishing them and protecting them and investing in them and instead they've just been using just being trained to use them to dominate them yeah to objectify them like well and the whole thing is it's just a farce then yeah know, like right so that's how i speak to the motivations i don't really know how the principalities interact with us i mean i guess there's some people that do directly commune with demons sure you know yeah. i believe that like yeah conversation type stuff and just you know literal altars and worshiping worshiping and things like that but when it comes to like sin on the ground i don't i don't know man do you have thoughts on that um yeah i mean i'm i'm the same as you in the sense that i don't want to talk too much about the spiritual aspect of you know demons and forcing people's hands and that type of thing lying to them but i also don't want to under talk about it right well i wouldn't they're not forcing our hands you know like they don't they can't force your hand but they can offer offer you something you like yeah yeah, and yeah. lie to you but see yeah. the thing is you always this is where you know it's like oh Satan lies to us that's true uh, but we we lie to ourselves we want to believe that lie we suppress the truth and unrighteousness yeah. so yeah, yeah you don't want to make it seem like well we're just again now we're victims we're vict- victims of the spirit world we're held captive right, by right. the prince of the power of the air like yeah there's a sense in which that's true yeah. But no one goes to hell for that. Right. You don't go right, to hell right. because you were a victim. Right. You know? That's right. Uh, the punishment is for a complicity in that. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. We found someone, when we find a lie that we believe, it's because we found a compatible 
view that we want to participate right. in. Right. It's like, oh, that's right. convenient. I happen to believe that as well. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think for um, for men particularly, uh, it's hard to talk about these things. So I'm actually glad that you and I are talking about it. You guys just listen out there, <laughs> and Donovan and I'll talk through these these things. But I I think definitely that there's a lot more um, victimization and being victim to stuff that's is going on in our church more than what we're what we feel comfortable talking about and more than what we even know how to start a conversation. So hopefully this this podcast will be helpful in that, that, you know, ask, uh, I think one of the most um, helpful questions that we asked at the beginning of our time together was, how did you learn about sex? And the stories that come out are pretty amazing and horrifying. And um, a lot of times guys are, like I said, either victims or victimizers in this, but um, but it's women as well. And people carry that around. And it, the way it manifests itself is just a deep feeling of shame. Like if anybody else knew this about me, that they would reject me or they would, um, I'm the only person who's going through this the way that I am and think thinks about sex the way that I do or think about it as much as, as I do, and they kind of corner themselves off and say, no one else is, is experiencing this. And that's just a lie because you get everybody sitting together and you just ask that question, hey, how did you learn about it? And it's amazing, like I said, really helpful and I think horrifying just to know that our people are are in such bondage and feeling just um, that, that there's nowhere to go. Um, there's nothing that they can say. There's nothing that they can do to get out of this. And like I said, that's that's just not true. Um, I think uh, we do um, give the guys um, kind of a, a battle plan. We give them the option to make a battle plan. It's a gospel-based battle plan that that moves forward. And and you know what are the weapons that we have to fight against pornography to fight against sexual sin and brokenness to fight against um lies that we believe and uh part of it is spiritual i mean we we do have prayers um from the book called the bondage breaker that are part of our plan that renounce lies that we have believed and then declare and announce the truth of who it is that we are and we base that with um, a lot of scripture of god says that all of these truths about us and in Christ I am these truths and trying to base it in that because there there has to be a turning from believing and uh, living within that lie to the truth of who we are in Christ and that's the that's the thing that needs to happen that's called repentance and um, our, our experiences and the things that have been done to us um, it's oftentimes not that actual act that has the most devastating effect it's like what that act means to a person after they've either done it or had it done to them and so what we want to do in our time together uh, with the guys is to to move toward like trying to understand how do we um how do we say the truth about ourselves in this moment and what does that truth mean as far as like us moving ahead yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about earlier, I was thinking about this podcast, is how 
obvious it is that humans are sexually broken. So because this isn't just a, you know, I was just thinking of someone being like, oh, this is Christian prudism. Like, yeah, it's only because you have these rules about, you know, sex before marriage and right, heterosexuality. Right. And it's like, no. So just push that. Let's just say, we'll take the secular worldview that doesn't, you know, you, sh- you can have sex whenever you love somebody with anybody. Right. There's still tons of brokenness out there. There's still rape. There's still, right. um, I mean, I literally just heard a story about a, a girl that was drugged and raped. There's still child abuse. There's still fear. All the things that you listed about yeah. fear and power and um, abuse and neglect and using, like, yeah. It's this isn't a Christian issue. I mean, right. it is in the sense because it's, you know, it's God's creation and then, right. You know, all issues are Christian issues, but in terms of it isn't Christianity isn't the problem. We don't need to just drop our Victorian ways, right? And then um, everything will be fine because, yeah, no matter every every society has some kind of standard for this because we realize in our hearts that it, it's sacred, right? 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 But then we are unable to maintain that standard, right? right? Because we're sinful, so. All that, so yeah, big summary there is this one, this isn't a Christian issue. This isn't because we're being prude about sexuality. Um, and it's, to me, one of the greatest evidences of um, the reality of the fallenness and sinfulness of humanity. Right. Well, kind of when I was talking about this past Sunday about sin being judgment as well as... Um, something we do yeah so in romans one right it says we exchange the glory of god for the creation and um and therefore he gave them over to impurity Mm -hmm. one of the uh verses there and it came to mind when you were talking about sinning against our own bodies is uh he says this he says well let me just pull it up so i I don't i don't want to butcher it yeah um but i saw this years ago and it just stunned me Um, yeah so so again, broader context, he's talking about us, humanity, rejecting God and serving the creation rather than the creator. And then he goes on to list all kinds of sins that we generally tend to tend to think of as you know, things we do that are bad that we get punished for. But the way this is laid out, he calls it he says it is the punishment, right? In fact, it's verse 118 says the wrath of God is revealed against from heaven against all ungodliness. And I think what he means there is the things he's about to describe. Right. In other words, the wrath of God isn't what's coming later with hell and all that. That's true too. But it's already been revealed. Right. How? Well, God given us up in our lusts of our of our hearts to impurity. To the dishonoring of their body. So that's kind of what you're talking about, like sinning against your own body, right? You're right. dishonoring it. For this reason, verse 26, the same reason that we rejected God and worshiped the creation, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And here he's talking about homosexual sin, to be specific, but it's more than that. Because earlier he just said general um, you know, impurity, and then later on he talks about evil, covetousness, murder. So I'm not isolating homosexuality. But in this example, he says... Uh, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consuming, consumed with passion for one another, 
Now here's the the kicker here. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty yeah. for their error. Yeah. Like the, that error, what's the error? The error is worshiping the creation rather than um, the creator. What's the penalty is the shameless act. Right. That's right. That just, that just shocks me. It, it, the thing you think you're doing to rebel against God is actually judgment you know right. and right, right. proof of brokenness and proof of a loss of fellowship with god and all right. that you know yeah 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 like the just the the thought of oh, i'm going to i'm going to prove that i don't need god and i'm going to just give him the middle finger right and i'll do it by doing this i'm i'm free to do whatever i want mm-hmm. and then he's like yeah that's the thing that's the the shameful act that's the judgment and so yeah, it's pretty amazing. Anyway, I took us back to the bad news. You were talking about the good news and looking at Jesus. and. Well, I think that... Um, let me ask you this, Donovan. I think you'd be able to actually answer this really well. Does God love sex? <laughs> More than you can imagine. Let me... Let me uh, I think... I'm going to go there. This is... Um, if you have young children and, and you are concerned. <laughs> Put on your headphones. When I've literally thought this, like, so, you know, I've had sex outside of marriage. And, uh, yeah, there's grace for that. I've been saved and forgiven and all that. And now I have sex in marriage. Right. And I've literally thought, God likes this. Right. I thought it during sex. Right. right. I'm like, He's literally him and the angels are like, yeah, yeah, like that's my boy, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he's not like, oh, better look away, like, right, husband and wife, right, in the covenant of marriage, loving one another, sharing intimacy. He's like, bravo. He's like he's clapping, like slow clapping. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yes. That that what you just described is such a huge uh, hurdle for people to overcome. Like they are so steeped in in the lie that sex is dirty, that sex is bad, that God doesn't like sex because their experience with it is awful. And I, I don't want to downplay people's experience. Like the way that so many people entered into sex, uh, I, the stories that I hear just blow my mind. And they, they, they equate, like, and it's enforced with dopamine, like this cycle of like, well, I, there's this shame that comes right after this dopamine hit. All, all of this, I, it's so correlated that they can't, they hear what you're saying, they hear the words of what you're saying, Donovan, but they don't believe it. And they reject it in their heart. They're like, I, one, I, I don't fall into this bridal paradigm that, that God loves us so intimately that the only way he can describe it with words is through the the song of solomon the acts acts of sex they, they just don't buy that and um and they feel such un, un crazy amount of shame that they can't say that yeah god in, is enjoying slow clapping this intimate act that, that between you and aubrey between you and your wife so well not just us yeah right exactly <laughs> right <laughs> Especially us. But. <laughs> um, well, and that's just actually uh, it's very liberating, actually. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I remember man. when I first realized, I was like, 
you're supposed to be doing this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, no, but I so I've been wrestling with the thought of like, why is why is uh yeah the sexual you know sin lead to such debilitating? I mean, it can be. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you can be crippled for life outside of you know a grace of, of God, like in terms of your ability to yeah. think right, enjoy, be free. Right. right. I mean, I think. I mean, that's what's under, you know, all all the LGBTQ stuff. It's like, yeah, something has gone wrong. Yeah. And and it's so deep and powerful. Yeah. Um. Let me back up. But why is that? Like, you know, we we connect so much shame to the mm. to this thing <clears throat> as though it's us, right? It's like an identity thing. Like, yeah. And the, rea- the reality is, it it isn't us, but it I I feel like it almost is. Yeah. Like when he, when Paul says you are sinning body. against your own body, yeah, he re- he's saying that's a very painful, dangerous thing. It isn't just like oh, it's like well, if I went and smashed a car, right? It's like right. oh. That doesn't have the same something. scarring effect, you know. Right. Like, like I, yeah. So it is a. So I guess maybe the way I would describe it is there's there's stronger metaphors, you know. Like, yeah. in the whole creation is a metaphor for God. Yeah. And some are stronger than others. Right. You know, like the right. ones particularly big ones that he pulls out of the creation and applies to himself, like right. the Father. Right. And you know the husband, that kind of thing. Right. So, you know, our bodies and our sexual being. But he is who, such a strong metaphor. He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with Him. This is what how Paul talks about it, and then he immediately goes into flee from sexual immorality. Why? Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So there's, it's his own body, and there's also the joining. And even before that, he's like, he asks, um, shall I take then the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? So he, it's a joining. Sex is a, is a joining. It's a, it's a body joining. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's also a spiritual joining. Yeah. There's a, right, and it's a oh, metaphor for good. the spiritual joining between us and God. And so, if so, you're then, saying if I touch someone sexually, I'm touching them spiritually. Well, is that why there's so much shame in there? Like because it's like a, it's it, the way it's designed is that it is actually like a uh, yeah like a means of it, it's a means it's a physical of, means of a of a spiritual joining. Yeah. Exactly. And so when that goes wrong, it actually has impacted your spirit, right? In a right. way that, you know, right. I don't know, other sins didn't. Right, right, right. And that has with it such deep uh, implications then when it comes to where where is God in your sexuality, There, it's really hard to separate then because then my if, if my relationship to sex is filled with shame that my relationship to God is also filled with some sort of shame, right? That it's because it's a spiritual movement. So I think that what we're seeing is that there, there's real depth of pain, but 
man, there's also real depth of salvation and redemption in that. Because if God can redeem this part of you, it seems like it's the deepest part. Like this is where people feel such deep shame. And like if God can move into this place and replace those lies, it, we're talking like deep redemption like and forgiveness and freedom from bondage. And that's where I think it's, a, it's important to talk about it because people are walking around. It seems like people are walking around yep. with just a burden of this break that's between them and God, and it has to do with, with sex. Yeah, there's the reality of, you know, if you're in Christ, you're 100% forgiven and you've, you've made a new creation. There's a par- parallel reality, which is we struggle to see that completely and part of the reason for that is that we're not bringing things out to the light before him right that's right 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 and well let me ask you this why do i need to talk to you or some group of guys or girls to bring this out to the light can i just go in my prayer closet and (laughs) lay it before the lord um sure but uh, James also says, confess your sins to one another that you would be healed, right? And so there is a movement of, there's something about the confession of it that has a, a, a helpful healing part to it. Um, so no, I, yeah, you, you can go into your prayer closet I'm, and do business with God and he will, he'll help. But I've also seen that... Um, there's just a deep correlation between healing and confession of this of this to others to others yeah that's a yeah well and it's just generally the body's made to yeah you could you could do that to anything well why do we need anything why don't we just sit in our closet all day and just like float and gut with god you know like but he's built us in a way that yeah he works through the church yeah so much so that he calls us members of one another right and so and yeah, I, I mean, if if you're hurting, I'm hurting. Like the, it's just the correlation between of us being members of one another, and so um, yeah, to be able to go to one another with confession and find um, some grace and find some somebody who's not going to judge you in it, it that's helpful, I think. As when you said when you're hurting, I'm hurting. Part of me thought like, sounds like a a cliche. That doesn't really have any impact, you know. Like, so someone yeah. sitting over there in sexual brokenness and shame, like, psh, doesn't really hurt me. I'm living my life, like. Right. <laughs> um. But if you look at it through the lens of no, 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 but we are a, a body, right? On mission together, right? Seeking joy in the Lord, like. Yeah, come on. Hit this, whatever bondage this person is experiencing. Is that is preventing some manifestation of yes. gift or yeah. mission or joy. Like, I'm not getting that. Right. Right. Yeah. There's an absence there that we all right. may not be aware of, but now I'm like making us look at it. Like, right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's the whole body is not fully yeah. uh, functioning. If a person is, you know, just. I'll just use the visual of Sunday morning. A person's at the mall or in the building up in Cedar Falls on a Sunday morning, and they're struggling to understand that they are forgiven of everything, of that 
that there is no sin that that Christ didn't die for that if they've you know if he is their savior if they don't know that it's what's going to happen then the implications are they're not going to talk they're not going to interact they're not going to be kind to someone else because they're so busy protecting themselves when they're sitting there before their god like he hasn't forgiven me he doesn't he doesn't want to um, because this is so shameful. It's so dark. It's so I've sinned not only against someone else. Now I've sinned against my own body and and I've screwed up this spirit relationship that I have with God. Right. And so what happens is there's just this compounding of that. But if then the converse of that is if they can look at the at the cross and see that there is no sin that's outside of the scope of his blood. Right that um and outside of the scope of repairing that spiritual relationship like this is what the cross does and it's also what the holy spirit does through sanctification is we are going from one degree of glory to another there's there's uh repair there's correction there's love there's movement there's life that's being given by the holy spirit there's teaching there's guiding there's helping from god there's comforting like that's all part of this and so god does not want us to sit there on a sunday and really doubt whether or not he loves us because of stuff that we've done and um and it does affect like other people like i will uh, yeah, if I'm sitting there wondering whether or not I'm just a horrible person and that God can't love me, I'm I'm not going to come up to you and be like, pray for you or read scripture over you or encourage you because I'm I'm drowning over yeah. here. So, yeah, it's interesting to me how we started out talking about sex, and this happens all the time. We start out talking about sex, but it's really about whether or not God loves us. It's really about whether or not God wants to move toward us. And and I just find that again and again and again. Like sex is just such a metaphor for us and our relationship with God. And our relationship to that should kind of be a bit of a barometer, thermometer, like how do I see God? Um, not the only one, but it can be. Yep. It's good. Um, well, have you seen, you know, you talk about redemption. Have you seen stories of redemption? Yeah. They're, um, yeah, just uh, even in the sense of like sitting with a guy who literally, um, when he sees a woman, he wants to be with her in, in a sexual way. But then that quickly moves when you ask him questions it quickly moves from, well, I don't have a woman, I'm a single young dude that without a woman, and I want a woman, I want a wife. And so he moves toward um, that very quickly in his heart and his mind. And then when we get down to the root of it, he, he was basically like, well, um, God only likes me because blank, fill in the blank, because I'm kind, I'm a hard worker, I'm all of that. So God's love for him is contingent upon uh, his works, his personhood, or something besides God's mercy and his grace. And so we went through Ephesians 2, and it's like, all right, let's, let's 
just zoom out and visually see how is God moving toward you in Ephesians 2. And it's like, well, I was dead in my trespasses and my sins, so there's no arrows going toward God. Um, then, But God in his mercy, boom, there's an arrow moving toward us, raised us up when we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. Excuse me. Another arrow moving. He showed mercy. He showed grace. Um, he uh, is... In his kindness, boom, another one, uh, basically saying for the rest of eternity, I'm, I'm giving you this kindness and, and all of that, raised us up with him. Um, you just walk through the truths and then you get to Ephesians uh, 2.10 where um, we are his workmanship. Again, God's moving toward us, created for good works in Christ Jesus. Again, moving toward us, the works he prepared beforehand so that we might walk in him so there's like a half arrow that moves from him toward god versus before he was living out his life as arrows to try and please god just try and please god but then he was like wait a minute god is pleased with me he's moving toward me and it was really helpful for him to see that so yeah it started out with um sex and sin and brokenness and it ends up in this root of God just loves me because he loves me because of his of his character and he wants to move toward me and that you, you could just see a difference in him um, physically and we'll see we'll we'll see how it, it moves and plays itself out yeah. know, over time but yeah so yeah we're seeing it it's yeah, absolutely slow going well and I would say my story is <clears throat> That's part of the story is, you know, I, like I said, I've had premarital sex before. Not just that. I, I would cheat on my girlfriends, my fiance, you know, my engagement fell apart because of that. Like, so there was obviously something so wrong with me that even this girl who I, and I would have said I loved her, which is, that's not a very loving thing to do, but it's not like we had a toxic relationship, but I was just duplicitous and right. Um, so yeah but it doesn't mean that's who I have to be all, all the time you know like and yeah for the rest of my life you know like God yeah. saved me and um, yeah I'm not trying to cheat on my wife you know like yeah it's interesting it's not like once a cheater always a cheater or once a porner always a porner it's just not true right right and the reason it's not true is because we're not we're no longer dead you know um God says, I'm his child, I'm Christ's friend, I've been justified, I'm united with the Lord, I am one in spirit with him, I've been bought with a price, I belong to God, I'm a member of Christ's body, I'm a saint, I'm a holy one, I've been adopted as his child. I mean, we can just go through truth after truth after truth after truth of who we are, and that's that to me is the real fight, is to be able, that's the fight for joy, is to say, yeah, this is true, even what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking right now can't be trusted like this truth that God has given to me right here. Like I am free from condemnation, Romans 8, 1 through 2, and just like soak in that instead of dopamine, <laughs> soak in the truth and saturate your mind in the truth. And well, that gives you dopamine also. Oh. That's what I'm saying. We've, we've got to be careful not... Well, you know, we got to get something else to sip dopamine. Like, well, no, you come That's and get right. your dopamine here. That's right. You know, and That's it right. is—it is not the difference. Is is well, sex is low-hanging fruit. Sure. <clears throat> so you right. know, so we ch- we go after fleeting pleasures, but part of right. growing and maturing in Christ is 
is uh is growing in patience and and self-control and yeah like just the yeah. things that are you know it's it takes longer and it's harder to build a strong healthy marriage than just go to the club get drunk and bang somebody like right right and so it's not that there's no pleasure in the other it's just that the one is faster which is why paul says fleeting pleasures right so yeah 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 so and god is the most eternal thing so so he's training right. up our spirits into that dopamine right like that right. pleasure right. he's not calling us to abandon pleasure right but to find it there but but yes it does it, it, he's not a uh hit it and quit it that's right that's you know right. what i mean yeah like, yeah, like Welcome right. to the long, enduring joys. Right. Right? Rather than... And this pleasures. is what distinguishes us from the animals, right? It's, it's like, like not pleasures for the next three seconds. It's pleasures forever. Right. And then shame. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Cycle. Pleasure, shame, pleasure, shame, pleasure, yeah, yeah, shame. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Right, right. So... His is pleasures forever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, He's like, stay off the dopamine and try some dopamine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> and by, Actually, I'm just going to change it and put it in your voice. And by edit it, I'm going to emphasize it. Yeah. <laughs> put a, an effect on it. <laughs> this dopamine. Uh, yeah. You got other stuff? Yeah, I just, uh, my last encouragement is... Um, You're such a good shepherd. <laughs> first, let's just talk about it. It doesn't have to be me. Um, but you know, ask a, like a, a really low hanging fruit question to start the conversation is how did you learn about sex? And some people may not answer and it may be awkward, <laughs> you know, have some discernment <laughs> who you're asking that to. But if it's a, if it's a closer friend or a neighbor or somebody that you've gained trust, like that's a really good way to start the conversation. A neighbor. <laughs> a neighbor. <laughs> hey, uh, howdy neighbor. <laughs> Hey, uh, how's business? Hey, how'd you learn about sex? <laughs> Just in passing. <laughs> From the lo- one lawnmower to another. <laughs> yeah, whatever works. <laughs> um, but just asking and what what that'll do is, one, help you to understand that you're not the only one. And two, um, I'm amazed at, at just how how much other people are suffering and how much they're walking around. Um, carrying burdens and being stuck in that. And then secondly, um, yeah, then pray about it and talk about it uh, with them. Find some scriptures. Um, we have resources. Read some books together. Um, but the the real healing thing is going to be when you understand that God loves you, even if that is part of your past or even if that is part of your near past like 10 minutes ago and it's an ongoing thing right (gasps) and that god still loves you in that um that's what's going to change that's what's going to change a person's heart and so yeah so um Mm, even god is in that room with you in that moment loving you right right he's not even turning his face away when you're right because you want to be careful well god oh man god's really loving me now because it's been 10 days since i right exactly i mean that's good you want those stretches of victory but it's not that's not that's not the cause for god's love right absolutely and if you find yourself that that's where i'm i'm just like man let's figure out the lies um because basically what you're saying is that if i if i go 90 days without 
looking at porn or if I go, you know, a certain amount of time without having sexual thoughts or whatever that are outside of marriage, then I'm presentable to God. Then I'm lovable. Let me ask you this. And that's just such a We're going to go a little long here. When you said sexual thoughts outside of marriage, do you think it's sinful for single people to have sexual thoughts? Well, I would say that lust is thought, word, or deed outside of marriage. I would say that's sexual sin. Okay, let's sit here a minute. So I think when Jesus says, if anyone even looks at another woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's committed adultery, but he's talking about a married man. Well, that's why he used the term adultery. Oh, I never put that together. Well, you got to just read it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. So I want to I want to challenge you on that a little bit. I. I don't know where the line is, right? But I'm certainly not teaching my son that it's going to be wrong for him to be sexually attracted, to desire sure. sex, to picture it. Yeah. Like so, I. I'm gonna look that up. What is that? Is that Matthew six? I'm gonna look it up. You know, this is where. We, we don't want to be we do there is a Christian moral standard to sexuality right. God's design but sometimes I think we overplay it like oh man I'm having sexual thoughts like well you are a man or a woman who's made to have sex mm-hmm. you're walking around this planet with others that are so there's a it's kind of like um I don't know. I just don't know that I'm prepared to say that that's sinful. That like there's this whole function of you that's supposed to be shut down until one day you get married and now it's turned on. I don't think so. Yeah. I think that has some. It's going to have something to do with uh, the degree to which it's controlling you, like many things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that you what you're saying. So, a girl walks in. I'm 20. Whatever. She's beautiful. Beautifully and wonderfully made. Face and body. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm like, wow. Like, I'm not supposed to do that? There we go. Matthew 5. I'm only... Oh, she has a pretty face and a Christian character. I'm not allowed to, like, realize that her body is bodacious? I think what, um, what you said about uh control so um you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery i never realized that that is to a i mean that would be to a married person but i say that but there are other places where where paul tells us you know the scriptures tell us to flee youthful lust and things like that. yeah yeah flee sexual immorality do not even let a hint of sexual immorality be among you but Uh, what i'm saying is like but we've brought some definitions we've taken this definition from matthew 6 that applies to men yeah. who are ma- uh, people who are married, right? And put that into the definition of sexual immorality everywhere, right? That makes sense. And I don't know that that's I an appropriate say, move. I would I would agree with that. I can. Uh, so yeah. something to ponder. I don't know. You gotta. I'm just saying. I I. I but I think it has to do with control, self control. Yeah. Right? So the more you uh, grow in the spirit, the more you are uh, surrendered to Him and moving toward that. It's one of his fruit is self-control. Like that's part of the fruit of him being 
in us. And I would say it has to do with that. And Jesus is like, yeah, this is a fruit of self-control. I say everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So I think that, um, yeah, self-control for a 24-year-old single guy looks different than self-control for a 50-year-old married guy. But the thing of it is, is it's self-control. The the part that's really hard is James says, if a person knows that he uh, he knows he's supposed to do this and he and he doesn't do it, or vice versa, for him, it is sin. for him it is sin, right? So, like that's that's where the line gets like really difficult to discern. Like, how do we? But these are most of the. This is most stuff. of the Christian walk. Like, there's some really clear stuff. Like. You know, I shouldn't murder and rape and all this stuff, but like, okay, but the rest of the world, enjoy it, but don't worship it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I would say that's part of the, the, the battle is sex, sex is a gift. Yeah. It's not wrong to desire it. It's not wrong to be attracted to the thing you were designed to be attracted to. Right. But don't worship it. Right. Well, give me a list of what that looks like. I don't know, man. Yeah, right. I don't know. Right. But I don't want to, I don't want to raise a son or daughters who think that having sexual desire is bad and they need to feel shame and guilty. Right, because then it's it it's over here that God doesn't love sex. It's gross. Right. And, now, right. I can go to an extreme, like, okay, it also doesn't mean that I want my son, you know, hauled up in his room all day thinking about nothing else, masturbating, you know, all, that's just like, it's possessed yeah, him. It's like, well, that's obviously yeah. bad. Yeah. Okay, then where's the line? I don't know. Right. I'm not here to give you legalistic lines. I'm here right. to teach principles and truth and they're like by the holy spirit like you know we all got to walk right right um but yeah i don't i want to avoid both both extremes yeah but i do think that's part of christian purity culture that has gone too far yeah that makes a lot of sense and and i don't i don't want to do that either but i also know um yeah just talking with guys like the they they're pretty far married men who are pretty far away from uh, being able to right, right. When you say, "Hey, I haven't had these sexual thoughts," that's coming out of the context of these conversations you're talking about that are uh, yeah. got, have gone out of control. Yeah, and so then it's like, yeah. So then it, it is a shepherding exercise for us to figure out. Okay, so what is sin to them? Like, where, where, where are they being convicted by the Holy Spirit in this? And how do we? shepherd them into uh listening to him and obeying him Mm. and surrendering him and to him and that's the yeah that that's the tough part because when you think of you know starting at 10 years old like this is the thing it's it's a habit that's based in like all of this time and energy and and pleasure that they've experienced and but then to call them out like it it just reaffirms my pow- my uh understanding of the power of the holy spirit to pull somebody out of something that's in- incredibly pleasurable by design from god but it's gone awry like they're worshiping it and then god pulls them out of that through the power of the holy spirit and then gives them self-control in this area of their life and they're bringing glory to jesus they don't feel uh the the shame of it as much as they did and it's just amazing to me. Like the the gospel is amazing to me in that and his power is amazing to me in that. So Yeah, that's good. I had some more bad news, but I'm not gonna do that. Let's <laughs> be done here. There's always bad news. <laughs> good stuff. Hey, well thanks for stepping up and uh shepherding in this way and yeah, trusting God for 
yeah change you know freedom liberty because while this stuff doesn't define our you know god's love for us and our but it it does impact obviously our joy and fellowship and our witness and testimony and mission and like there are there are consequences and nobody wants to live there that's right good all right good stuff thanks all we'll see you soon